Welcome, Kristen. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know I'm a huge fan of you and everything you do, your mission, what you stand for. Kristen Bentley, for those who don't know you, can you share a little bit about what you do and the amazing things that you create? Yes, absolutely. So I am the founder and CEO of EP House. We are a boutique traditional publishing house that is revolutionizing the industry. It sure is. I absolutely love what you do. You're very white glove. You are to me, one of the best, if not the best in the industry, you are very hands-on and people love that approach. I feel that clients want you to know them and you as the founder, take that extra step to get to know your peeps. Why do you think that's so important? Mm, You know, because of what we do. So to, to, kind of extend off of what I just shared. We very specifically focused on nonfiction stories. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with people's stories and we specifically get those that are sharing these bold, uninhibited, big, 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 big stories. So it's really important that they are able to trust us with that story, knowing that we're going to take it We're going to hold true to the authenticity of it, the voice of it, and put it out into the world in their way, in their voice and in their terms. And I love that about you. You just get business today because I can't, I can't tell you how many times I say this, but you could have the best brand, but if people don't know the founders and they don't know the people, I find that people are really, and consumers are really buying into the founders and the people and their mission. And I love the fact that you are very hands-on. And like you said, these are people's legacies. This is things that are going out into the public and will be there forever, right? And so you're not all about taking on whoever sort of knocks on your door, But even more so the fact that you're selective and you go through this whole creative process, uh, I think is so incredibly amazing. And I think it really puts you at a different level and sort of diving into that. And you know what I do and I do for a living as well as many other sort of uh, things uh, I've got my entrepreneurial fingers in. You, I would say, would be a female in a traditionally male-dominated industry. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. And I know you've got a ton of stories, but how did you find navigating in that industry? How did you, like, how did you do it? Mm. That's such a good question. So when we launched, so by the way, we've only been established for three little years. So in three years, we have really kind of grown. um, And it really, again, goes back to the integrity, the authenticity, the value, the trust factor. So we originally launched, it was focused on, we were focused on guiding people through the process of writing their books, because there are not too many places that you can go to that are going to actually meet you where you are regardless of what that looks like. We have people that come to us and they say, I have an idea for this book that I want to write, 
but I don't know exactly what it's about yet. I don't know who it's for yet. I haven't really given it a heartbeat and brought it to life, Mm -hmm. but I feel like this could be a really incredible book. What do you think? And we'll take them from that very little nugget idea and it becomes a book. Like it, it grows into this fully finished manuscript. And then we have others that come to us and they say, I've got this half written or right. I've got it partway written. I know what it's On about. A napkin, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing where people, yeah, it's, it's voice recorded um, into my notes, whatever. And we're able to kind of get that story out. So we meet people where they are and we've always started that way to be able to get you to produce a book because the idea of writing a book feels so overwhelming. I like to say it's like climbing your own personal Mount Everest, right? Oh, it sure is. Yeah. And it's taking things off of the shelf. It's remembering certain things that maybe you didn't remember. It's being factual, authentic. And I think the other really important thing that I feel with your agency and your publishing house is that you really try to capture the person's voice. And that is to me, you know, as a, as a writer and as a creator, that is so incredibly important to me. And somehow you have really mastered this. And I'm going to go back to being a female in a male dominated industry. Do you think being a woman that has helped you to be able to sort of tap into the true essence of who your clients are? Yes, absolutely. So if I can, I'm going to kind of share that we started there and then it was in the understanding of where the holes are in the industry currently that we then moved into the space of publishing. And so absolutely, we, I see a great need of a big disservice, if you will, that's currently, um, being held by the industry because I've heard some stories from authors who are really big names, have really big platforms and had these incredible stories. And they've gone to a traditional publisher and the story ends up not being what there's, st- we just talked about this, the authenticity and holding true. And so I think that it's really, truly more about the framework of the publishing houses and what they're focused on. The focus is on it's a business, we make money, right? That's the traditional business model. Yeah, which that still has to be your business model. But I think what I'm trying to get you to say, and you're so incredibly humble, that (laughs) you have a knack and a touch for being able to connect to people instantly. I know when you and I met, it was, you know, through a, a mutual friend, we'll call him our brother, which we love, Brother Bradley. And uh, he was just sort of like, you have to meet her. And I already had, you know, when people come to me and, oh, I've already hired a private investigator or, oh, I've been interviewed and I haven't liked where they've gone. And to be able to have somebody like yourself connect to somebody and be able to have that trust where people are telling you their innermost, deepest, darkest fantastic or not so fantastic secrets. And for you to be able to put that on paper, I think is a true gift. And I know you have a team uh, beside you, uh, which I respect, but it really is about your leadership and how you sort of want to respect that every story that comes to you, you want to respect 
that story like it was your own. That's what I feel from you. Oh, I love that. You know, and I was just talking with one of my team members the other day about exactly what it is you're talking about. It's truly the art of listening. So when you get on a call with an author, with somebody looking to share their story, it's really, and even when I do editor sessions with authors that I'm currently working with, what'll happen is we'll be in a conversation and they won't even realize that they're sharing their heart and their soul with me and I'm being able to receive it and I'm being able to hear it and acknowledge and recognize it. And so what I tell them is, okay, so what I'm hearing from you right now is, and then I repeat it back to them because I truly believe that one of my biggest missions and purposes is for me to be in this position where I'm able to reflect back to people their magnificence and their brilliance and their impact and what it is that they're creating in the world. So when they share these stories with me and I'm able and I'm able to say, I see you, I hear you, I acknowledge you, and I am inspired by you. And I know the world will be too. It's kind of like it's that it's that open pathway of before you put that book out into the world, this is kind of this is the entry point. This is how we're going to be doing that. And so having that ability to really just tune in and listen to what it is they're saying, because they may not know just yet what their book is about, but I can figure it out just by listening to them. I love that. And do you think it is because you are female that you have, look, we're, I always say we're different species having four boys. I always say, I wish, you know, it could have been opposite that I had my boys first and then was able to date, but obviously it didn't work that way, clearly. Uh, but, you know, you learn so much. I mean, my kids have taught me so much, um, you know, raising little tiny people into bigger people and men is we do communicate differently because I know what I'm saying was what I was saying, but they're interpreting it completely opposite. We are different species. I remember when I found out with every single one of my kids, I originally only, I'm going to be honest, wanted a girl. When I found out I was having a boy, my first son, I cried. I said to my mother, how am I going to raise a different species? And she just started howling. And she's like, you're just going to do it. And you know what? As soon as I had my first boy, I'm like, I don't think I want a girl because they're so wonderful. But anyways, healthy kids doesn't matter the sex but we are different. We listen different. We process different. And we are able to sort of tell the story back differently. So do you, I'm going to go back to wonderful you, is that, do you feel that that sort of part of your superpower with your business is being able to absorb, listen, and tell it back? Absolutely. And I say that because I also have four sons. I do have a daughter. She was the very tail end of the tribe. But I had four boys as well. So I, I get it. So you, you get, I know that's where I was <laughs> yeah. sort of going with this is you understand yeah. they're totally different. And, you know, you can say something as simple as, hey, on your way up, pick up those towels, undo the gate, da 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 da, and whatever. And to you, it's like one simple step up the trip and you are one simple trip up the stairs, say that twice fast. And to them, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're telling me 20 things. No, in my mind, it's one thing, take the towels up and leave the gate open. Right. And it's just, it's so funny. And again, it's sort of when they were younger, but 
I, I really, I'm a, I'm huge on human behavior and I realize how differently they process things. And they're like, hold on one at a time. So when you're telling stories and I know that you have a very large female uh, clientele, they think differently, they talk differently, and you're able to sort of absorb that. And, and that I think is just so unique about you. So yeah, I, I, because you're a woman, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree. And I just want to share too. Uh, I also have three brothers. I grew up with all boys in my house. Oh, God so I understand because oh, here's a high five. There you go. <laughs> I understand it because it's really funny because I've worked with males in a professional corporate world and, and all the things right in college, not corporate, right. All of those things. And it's really interesting. Cause I learned really quick. Okay. Let me give it to you in man language. I'm yes. going to give you the facts. I'm going to give you the short and concise. Here's the information that you need to know because they're really focused on solving the problem. Even when I'm in a conversation with my husband sometimes, and I've learned that I have to say to him, I just want you to listen to me right now. Yeah. Don't right? fix it. Don't fix it. Don't, don't fix it because when he listens, he's looking for those little clues and things that I'm saying where he can solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And in this industry, it's not that because holy cow, if I could fix those problems, I'd be, I'd be ending like world trauma, generational, I'd be curing <laughs> generational trauma and all of the things, right? Um, I'd be creating world peace. How amazing would that be? Oh, so the reality is so amazing, but you can, yeah, you can't, right? I can't, I can't solve those, those problems. All I can do is listen to the story. And so I don't know that I've, I think I've always probably been a good listener. I think that that's something that I've, you know, that, that characteristic and trait, I think is something that I've developed. I mean, in, in many ways and facets throughout life, but I think that really, truly, I do believe that it's in this place where I'm able to just kind of sit in the moment with you and have a conversation quiet down whatever the chatter is to really just kind of open up to hear and receive what it is that you're sharing with me. It's in that, that space where I'm just kind of, I'm holding you space. And I think that is something absolutely that is unique to women and feminine energy. I think that is the gift and the talent that we absolutely carry because it's through this unique space that we're able to build and create communities. That's why women are community builders, right? Relationship Huge. builders. Huge. And, you know, you said so many important things. I'm still back to your husband, which we're going to go back to in a moment. Um, but, you know, just exactly what you said is so key that you're just wanting to sort of maybe vent or say what you need to say. You don't want anybody to fix it. You just want somebody to listen. And that's why girls need other girls and girlfriends and women need women is and they need that camaraderie. So it, it's so important, I feel, to the, the continued development of our lives. And you're right with men a lot of times and same with my husband, he'll be looking at how to fix it. And he's, uh, and I'm like, you know what? I, I just need you to listen. You know what I am going to do though? I'm also going to share a link. I don't know if you've ever seen the video with the girl with the nail in her forehead. No. Oh, 
my goodness, you have to see that. And she's basically talking to him and he can't unfocus on the nail. And all she wants him to do is listen. And he's just focused on the nail. Anyways, I'm going to include the link, but I'm going to send it to you. You're going to love it. And so, you know, going back sort of to that feminine energy that you're able to tap into and you're able to listen and you're right sometimes. And I know you and I have had business conversations and we both get very excited and it's like, oh, sorry to interject, but I have to just say this before I lose it. And we've got that back and forth sort of respect, which is so incredibly to me to, to build on something like that. It's so unique that you can, you know, respect the other person, but, you know, still either jot down or interject. So, you know, the whole creative goes to another level. You're so incredibly gifted that way, honestly. And a mother of five, I'm just saying you beat me by one. And so hats off to you. I always say, you know, I've got lots of friends that have one or two kids and they're, oh my God, I'm so busy. And I'm like, do tell. <laughs> right there's so many there's only so many hours in a day but that's probably one of the other reasons that you're so incredibly well organized and structured in your business life is because you sort of have to be I mean we've got I always people always call me the chaos coordinator and sometimes it is about coordinating the chaos that's going on at home and then at work and juggling both the two so that I know is one of your superpowers as well. But tell us one thing that you really struggled with being a female and getting into this industry. Mm. You know, I would say that in the in the beginning, it was probably the imposter syndrome. I mm. think that, that was really kind of showing up in a pretty big way. Um, I don't know that that, was a struggle for long. I think that because when we started gaining momentum and the stories that were, um, I feel like it's almost like this magnetic pull, right? This um, moving into our path that I knew that because we were on this mission to truly, to truly create something meaningful and impactful and to do a service because it truly is. I truly believe we're in the service industry. And I think it's that I believe that it's yeah. the different way of looking at it and thinking and remaining grateful and humble for the people that we're partnered with and the people we work with that very quickly that imposter syndrome melted away. And here's the thing: if I can share. This is completely the female spin on imposter syndrome. Let's just kind of, for just a quick second, kind of hold space because I know that I'm not the only person that feels that way being a female in a male dominated industry. And so I really think that imposter syndrome is something that we just need to flip on its head. We need to shift the way that we think about it and feel about it because the truth is author, or I say author imposter syndrome, because I talk about that a lot with my authors, but imposter syndrome is truly just about being uncomfortable because you're starting something new. You're stretching yourself and evolving yourself into this new room, right? You've entered into this new room and you don't know if you belong in the room. You don't know if you're equal to the others that are moving around in this room. And so you start to doubt whether you're, you belong in it. And it's kind of, 
it's kind of like stepping into, I like to say a brand new pair of stilettos and maybe it's a higher heel than we're used to wearing and we're kind of walking around the room and we're wobbling. But then over time, we're really starting to work those stilettos and we're, we're moving and we're strutting, but then it's time for us to get in a new room because we've expanded as much as we can in that room. And now it's time to move into another room so we can further evolve and expand and grow. So imposter syndrome is just that it's that uncomfortable stretching of growth and evolution. I love that. And you know, it's exactly what you said. Sometimes two people, I always say can be watching the exact same movie. One of my all-time favorites when Harry met Sally. Okay. And I can be laughing, crying, whatever the other person could be terrified. So it's, it's all about the meaning you attach to it is what I understand you, you saying to me, right. And how I process information is completely different from how you process information. And I think it's like what you said, you just have to flip it on its head and turn it into a positive that, you know, growth, if you remember when you were, I don't know, an infant and you grow till you're 18 months or two years old, that's the biggest human growth, right? With your bones and your body stretching, voice, language, everything. It's not a comfortable thing, but that I think is what you're saying too, is walking on those stilettos. It's not always comfortable, but once you get into your strut and you know your stuff, you're ready to move on up and into the next room or take the stairs in a higher pair of uh, stilettos. And I love the fact that you're putting that sort of positive visual and analogy to it, because that I think that's what life is all about. It's it's how you take things, right? Absolutely. It's about the way that we're viewing it, because we truly are creating the ex our human experience. So how we look at it, how we move through it, how we show up, it all starts with how we feel about it. And so if we can shift that. And so since that, since that time where I felt that imposter syndrome, I've decided that, and I do it on a regular basis, I'm reaching out um, to people that I want to partner with or right. I'm, I'm reaching out for opportunities and things like that in a way that's constantly stretching me. It's constantly and I love that. Don't you feel that with, I mean, my thing is you can be the best of the best, which as I said, you know, my feelings about you and the publishing house three years young is still three years old and kudos to you. But I feel that you have to continue to grow because when, it, you know, the opposite of growth is death, right? Or just a complete standstill. And people need to continuously evolve. And so obviously, I know from a business perspective, that's what you're doing. But what about a uh, personal stance? What's happening there? Can you share anything with us with your personal growth and how you've had to shift into this rock star founder, aka mother, taxi driver, teacher, mentor, into all of that in a, in a business role? Like, how was that for you? Yeah. All the, all the things, right. Um, because my, my daughter is six and I have a seven-year-old son. So my kiddos are very spread out. I've got kiddos in college. They're all over the place. Yep. So very, very close in age. They're 14 months apart. And so launching into this entrepreneur space with toddlers, definitely a challenge. When I think of that navigating through and specifically how is the professional growth and evolution showing up in my personal life, 
I would say that the two are 100% connected um, because it's in that personal growth that we also grow professionally as well. It shows up. Um, the most recent experience that I had was 12 weeks ago, my daughter was hospitalized and she was hospitalized for five weeks. And without kind of going into all the details of what led up to that, it was pretty traumatic. It was pretty intense. Um, but she had an incredibly aggressive case of bacterial pneumonia. And it was to a level where 50% of her lungs were infected. They were collapsed. Um, she almost needed a emergency surgery and airlifted to LA. It was, it was, it was terrible. And she was intubated unconscious for two weeks and it was touch and go. And there was a time during those couple of weeks that, I mean, oh, oh my goodness, she could have taken a wrong turn. Let's, let's just share what it is. Right. In the meantime, all kinds of things are going on professionally, right? Cause I am one of those people again, like you, where my calendar is planned out a year ahead. Things are mapped out strategies built. This is when we launch for things. This is when we're announcing things. So we had all of these things that were planned to launch and, and release not, not author books, but other programs and things like yep. that, other services, right? Products. Yes. And at the time that my daughter was in the hospital, because my husband and I were switching, staying overnight with her. Have so to, you've got the other little one at home too, right? That's right. Yep. And so I was kind of sneaking off into the quiet room to jump on calls and kind of navigate. And it's one of those things where you think of when life throws you these big kind of um, like storms, right? Things just feel like they're potentially blowing up in your face mm -hmm. that when you are a person who has found such deep alignment in what you stand for, what you bring into the world, how confident you are in your own abilities, it 100% shows up in that private, in that private life, that private space too. And this was an absolute testimony to that because I was so still and at peace and aligned and grounded during that time. I had absolute faith and I let go and I surrendered. And I in the bumps, I love that. Not only did I surrender my faith into my daughter healing and getting better, but at the same time, I reached out to my team and said, Hey, I need to send you this. So I removed more off of my plate. I kind of thought, can some of these things wait? Can we postpone? Can we put them on pause? We haven't even announced them. It's not even that big of a deal. Let's just reset, reschedule when these, where we're going to move forward on these and circle back. What are the things that absolutely have to happen right now for the business to keep moving forward that I have to be a part of? And the incredible thing is that because I was in such alignment in a personal space and a business space, and don't get me wrong, the days that I came home to be with my son, as soon as I put him to bed, I would climb into a hot bubble bath and I would cry. 
And I would allow myself to process all the emotions and how I was feeling. I love that. That's so important what you're saying, because we're doing this big thing about self-care. And as women, we sort of feel like you said, almost, I don't want to say selfish, but you know, people used to think self-care is, is selfish and, but you're positioning it in a way that I want all our listeners to sort of adapt to if you're not good, nobody else is good around you. So you gave yourself that space. I'm going to fall apart in the privacy of my own bathtub with bubbles and a glass of bubbly or a glass of water, whatever you're having. And you're going to allow yourself that because you have to, you're human. You're, you're sitting there watching your daughter fight for her life. Right. And so I love the fact that you allowed yourself because so many times I know I'm even guilty of it years ago where you keep it in and then you just fall apart. Right. So being able to, I think it's a really important thing that you've mastered and good for you. And do you think it was that, that allowed you to get to that sort of level space that, because there's those, you, you and I have talked about those aha moments that change you forever. And I also shared that I've had a few of my kids where was touch and go. And that's when you shared this to me, it's a beautiful story because it is about growth. It's about your daughter's resilience, right? Mm -hmm. Because please share what happened when she woke up and how many weeks later. So she woke up Yeah. So she woke up and she was in the hospital for a couple more weeks because her body had slowed down. She had to learn how to walk again and she wasn't really eating and became anemic and all the things. So she came home and she had lost a bunch of weight and she was going to need physical therapy and uh, play therapy because they said they believed she had PTSD. Um, They weren't able to completely keep her unconscious. She was very conscious through the whole thing and heard a lot of conversations and all the things. She came home and a week after being home, she was chasing her brother. She was going up and down the stairs. Tonight, she's going to be dancing at our local high school with their school's dance team at the halftime of the football game. So here she is and she's back to school with no restrictions. She's living her best life. She's at ballet every week, she's doing absolutely incredible. And the thing that really happens, because again, to touch back on what you just said, because of the space that I'm in professionally, I'm talking to people who are living in this place of, I call it a vulnerability container when you're when you're writing a book, yeah. because everything it almost turns into like technicolor. Your life turns into technicolor. You feel everything more intensely. Everything is more vibrant. Um, You're more observant of yourself and the people around you. I kind of laugh because when people that are moving around in my space somehow, when they show up a certain way, I kind of laugh and I think to myself, you know, I'm writing a book right now, right? Giving (laughs) content. Um, But that's really kind of, we navigate through things just a little bit differently. And because I work with people, you know, very high level professionals that are navigating through this vulnerability container, it's kind of like, I have no choice, but to master this space. And I tell them you're hitting writer's block. It's because it's really an emotional block. You're something's stopping you from going there because most likely you're 
not sure you want to feel whatever the emotions are going to come up with writing about this thing. So give yourself the space, step away from your manuscript, give yourself a couple of weeks, free write, focus on self-care. And so, because it's in the day-to-day focusing on our self-care and again, boundaries, Mm-hmm. giving yourself space to process emotions because we all do that, right? I used to be the queen of the stuff, like not dealing with it today. Yep. Another day I'm going <laughs> to stuff it down. And then eventually it blows up in your face. And now you're overwhelmed. You're hitting burnout and you're, you're out, you're out of the game for a long period of time where if you would s- just self-manage allow yourself to process the emotions. So it's because of that professional space that I work in, that it really has helped me to kind of master it. And I say master, I mean, come on, I'm, I'm still, still still a work in progress, but you really have mastered the hard part. Look, I think you're going to continue to evolve. You're going to continue to, you know, hit roadblocks. Hopefully they don't like you and I talked about dealing with clients that are sort of often not so respectful and a little bit almost borderline abusive. You know, it used to bug us back in the day. It would really hurt your feelings and your little fee and you'd be out of whack for weeks. And now it's sort of like, okay, that doesn't belong to me. And away we go. And you kind of saw it off and say, okay, that's unfortunate, but here we are. You know, I don't know if you like this analogy or not. The, and it's funny because the the gal who I talk to on a regular basis, she always would talk about self-care for years and years and years. And Adrian, you've got a self-care. And I'm, when? I don't have the time. And when? She's like, you'll make the time when you're really sick. And I don't know why that just hit home for me. And I'm like, well, I can't be really sick. There's no time for me to be really sick. Then she's like, well, then make the time now to care for yourself. And she'd always use that analogy, which used to bug the living daylights out of me when you're on an airplane and the stewardess is up, should this, you know, happen and the air mask falls and you're traveling with little ones, put your mask on first. I'd always be like this to my husband, you know, like who the hell would put their mask on first? You always like take care of your kids first. And she used that analogy. And I don't know why it's so hit home with me because I'm like, yeah, but what if they, and they're like, but if you're not there and you don't have your mask on, how will you help them? And for some reason, it really touched home for me. Is that sort of what it is for you when you feel like, and I don't care how great you look and how great you people think you have it together. There are times you don't. Life's things, sicknesses, obstacles. But do you just sort of stop yourself and say, okay, this is one of those times I need to put my mask on first, whether it's five minutes or 55 minutes, and you give yourself some time to reset? How, how do you deal with that when you yeah, know absolutely. it's there? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say that a lot of it is something that I've just had to kind of begin doing just because, I mean, again, talking about my husband, my husband's not a super perceptive person. I love him tremendously. And (laughs) there's so many wonderful qualities, but in my marriage to him, I have to express what it is I need. I have to express um, my emotions. I have to express Hey, this, this is where I'm at right now. And when I say having boundaries, I think boundaries are super important. We need to have them for ourselves. We need to have them with our partners. We've had this conversation with our children. Even with our kids. Yeah. 
Yes. Our, everybody needs to know those boundaries. And it's kind of, this is where the line is of what is not acceptable for me, because in order to me to show up as my best self, I have to take care because yes, when I'm down, my whole house falls apart. Literally, Isn't literally. It? Because I'm like, you know, I, I would think to myself, is this just a coincidence? You know, I'm not feeling good and everybody else around me is falling apart. And, you mm. know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, and we'll just say 29 and a half was a while ago, you realize that there is such a connection that if you are sort of the calm and the foundation, that's key, the glue, we'll, we'll say, keeping everything, you know, kind of running smoothly as much as you can with four and five kids and husbands uh when you're not good everything else just goes to shit in a handbasket excuse my french and how yeah. do you how do you sort of do you not see that now like as you know you've gotten past 29 and a half do you not feel like you can see that coming a mile away yeah i i can and that's it it's through having those experiences where when you are needing to say, hey, right? Um, it's kind of like, I'm I'm tagging you in, you're it, right? I have to do that with my husband so that he understands like, hey, I'm tapped out because we have those days. I, I just had one the other day where, <laughs> you know, my day was long. He gets home late. My husband gets home around six o'clock. And at that point I, you know, and he leaves when the kids are getting up and having breakfast and he's out the door for breakfast or for work. And I said, hey, tag you're it like you're gonna get them to bed tonight I need to I need to decompress I need to sit and just I'm at my limit so knowing where that limit is before you really are at your limit I think is really truly key it is key that's that's the the mastery I think that's what I was trying to get to is because sometimes it feels like you just flip a switch and it's like overwhelmed right Where if you're tapped more into your feeling and you're sort of mindful about what's going on for you, you know, Brene Brown, for example, she, I love her analogy and I loved yours about tag you're it. I think I'm going to, you know, use that with my husband tonight, but anyways, you know, she says, you know, marriage is not 50, 50 rare. Is it ever 50, 50? It's bullshit. It's 2080. It's 80, 20, it's 10, 90. But it's like, it sounds like your husband's the same. And you know what, for a lot of men, and I love the fact that as we get older, um, as women, that we can tell our partners, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I don't want to, how are you fine? You know, you're not fine. When a girl says fine, she ain't fine. But anyways, so you can tell them how you're feeling because they won't be able to figure it out. They, they're not good at the guessing game. And then you say, listen, I'm full up. I, I need you to you know, take over, give me five, give me 55, or I'm out for two or three hours, I'm going to class or for a run, a walk, whatever you may do. So Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you can do that. And do you think that also comes with age? Because I would love for some of the younger listeners to say, oh, I can do that. Because I never felt like I could do that, especially in my first marriage. I did everything I always did, always had, and that's okay. You know, I chose that and that's fine, but geez, it would be nice to be able to sort of tag somebody in now and again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think depending on how we're raised, um, Mm. we're taught at a very young age that kind of this like martyr mentality 
Like we sure. got to take care of the children we got to take care of the family. We've got to take care of the husband, right? Cause again, it's, it's that baby boomer generation that we were raised by. And some of us, even youngers, I think that generational beliefs and this is how we do this kind of gets passed down. And so what happens is we do, we kind of, we overextend ourselves to where we're depleted and then we become resentful and, and we feel and- like, why do you not understand that I'm tired? Because you never said anything because you never held true to your boundaries and kept yourself from getting exhausted and overextended. If you can communicate, not passive aggressively, but <laughs> true, in a true way to your partner, what it is you're needing from them, they're going to be responsive. And that's the thing. I mean, it's not that my husband is ignoring or not paying attention to me in any type of way. It's that he truly is not, he can't read my mind. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I, that's my favorite saying. Yeah. I, I can't read your mind. Like, and I even say that to sometimes to the boys and the men in my life, because we have 28 investigators that I also manage. And sometimes it's like, I never knew you were feeling like this. Like you need to talk to yeah. me. Right. And communication yeah. that goes back to women are great communicators. And hopefully, you know, you have a good partner that you can communicate with. But like you said, you've got to be true and honest. Cause for years I was like, yeah, I'm good. I can do this. Superwoman, see my cape, you know? And, you know, as my cape was flying, I'm like, okay, I can't see I'm functioning on three hours of sleep. I am going to pass out. And so it's not until you get to either being sick or completely depleted and you look at, you know, health risks, for women between 35 and 55, geez, I wonder, right? Because we're doing it all. So what I'm hearing from you is communicating your feelings and your needs and your healthy boundaries. You know, I'm all about healthy boundaries, um, I think is so important. Would you say that's sort of key in any relationship? Absolutely. And I want to kind of go back. You said that women are good communicators. We're good communicators, except for communicating what we need because we feel like we can't or communicating our emotions. And the thing is, is men are not good at understanding emotions. So every time I go to my husband and say, Hey, I need this from you. He's like on it. He's heck. Yeah, I'll do it. And he, he wants to be an engaged, you know, partner, but he doesn't know unless I come to him and say, this is what I'm eating for you. And it took me a while. Don't get me wrong. We're celebrating nine years next week. Mm-hmm. And I remember us having this not amazing conversation and I'm upstairs and I'm sitting there and I'm just feeling really yucky. And I'm thinking, why doesn't he see or understand? And, and then I stopped and I said, Kristen, he cannot read your mind. It was kind of like this, this pivotal moment that he, he cannot read your mind. And this myth of this happily ever after fairy tale that we're going to get married and we're going to be so connected to our partner that they're going to be so in sync with us that they're just going to know what we need with a glance <laughs> and a look and right the the fictional characters that are written into our love stories yeah. that's not reality it's oh. it's it's a fable it's fiction it's not true I know, but we were all brought up with, you know, Cinderella and all of that other stuff, right? So you're right. You have to take sort of 
the baby boomers and how they raised us. And we've had to sort of evolve. That's what I was sort of getting to, too, just to go back for a moment, is that I think it comes with growth. I think it comes with failure. I think it comes with conflict. And I think it comes from sort of a rejection, if you will, from our partners or the people in our lives because we aren't communicating it properly. And that's what I would say is sort of after 29 and a half and after failed relationships or marriages or partnerships, you realize what I do anyways is what was my part in this? Did I communicate properly? Probably not. Uh, and how can I do better? And so I feel that, you know, being the second time around, you do, again, not without, you know, there's always hills and valleys, bumps and bruises, but I'm able to communicate in a way where I'm heard and they're not left guessing, like, are you sad? Are you happy? Are you pissed off? Like, I'm kind of not knowing. And it's kind of like, well, this is exactly what I need, right? This is exactly what I need. There's no guessing. This is what I need. And I think it's helpful for that kind of communication. And I think the younger, you know, sort of your younger you, for, for sure, for me, my younger self, had I known that, man, would have been a lot easier, I'm thinking. Absolutely. And there are patterns, right? We develop patterns at a very young age as to how we communicate and how we expect other people to communicate. Mm. That's where that's where the big that's where the big um fail, if you will, comes from is what our expectation is of that other person. And so again, we talked about this earlier, just having this space where I'm just openly receiving what it is you're sharing and telling me, we have to do that in a business space with the people that we're serving, the people that we're working beside, the people that work for us, whatever that dynamic is. But at the same time, we need to be able to do that in our personal space too, where we're not having those expectations. We're not assuming anything. We're being completely open and receiving what it is that they're sharing with us in a way that we're not becoming defensive. And that we're just open. That's hard. That's hard. Do you think expectations ruin relationships? Oh my goodness. So I actually have a chapter and it's tentatively titled right now in my book that expectations ruin everything. Oh my God. You're so alike. Okay. Same. That's one of my biggest things where when couples come to me and, you know, their lives are falling apart or their husbands or their wives are cheating, you know, with their best friend or their business partner or somebody else, it's sort of like, and they're shocked and they're miffed and confused and, you know, sort of being a life coach, I'll peel back the layers and we'll talk about, you know, this probably didn't come out of left field. Right. And some people are so, I, I want to say out of touch with the fact, well, he's my husband and he just should have been there for me. And, you know, when you sort of get into, or it's my wife, she should have been there for me. It's both sexes. And so, or um, should I say all genders? Uh, it, it really is about having expectation of that person's going to be faithful forever, even though I'm not having sex with them. And I know they're a sexual person, you know, I'm busy raising kids. Well, how old are your kids? Well, they're, you know, 19. Well, those are not kids. If you've ignored your loved one for 19 years or even nine years, I'm thinking they're probably going to, you know, do something else. That's just my sort of, I don't know, gut feeling and my experience. So I feel that just expecting somebody to always be there, regardless of the effort you put in, uh, that's huge for me. And 
we'll we'll chat we'll chat more about that afterwards but putting expectations on relationships or your partners or businesses i think is detrimental to everything Absolutely. Another piece of that too, that again, comes with experience and wisdom and age and all the beautiful things is understanding that not everybody sees or experiences that we just talked about this a moment ago. You actually just brought this up, but not everybody experiences a situation in the same way that you do. And I think a lot of times we just assume that when I was a lot younger, I was this very naive, altruistic, rose colored glasses kind of person who always moved through life from the goodness of my heart and benefit of the doubt and optimism and all those things. And it took me getting smacked down quite a few times to understand that not everybody comes from that same place that I do. I shouldn't have an expectation that somebody is going to respond personally, professionally, whichever way, in a way that I'm going to assume them too. I'm just going to wait for them to respond. And then there's that beautiful quote that when they show you who they are, just believe them, right? Because people are going to show you who they are. You know, hindsight, another chapter, but anyways, hindsight is so powerful. And it's just like, oh, why couldn't I learn that? It's like, because hindsight, you know, it, like you said, you know, when you look back, and, and people, as I said, always say, oh, never look back. You got to move forward, live in the moment. Fair enough. But I like to reflect on how far I've come. I like to reflect on how I can do better if I failed at something or I didn't do well at something or how can I do better at it? I think it's important. But when you look back, you realize, hmm you know what? They really did show me who they were. Remember that one time or... I remember when I needed something or somebody just to listen and that person wasn't there, whatever the case may be, they're showing you their true colors. My mother's always like, you got to live in the show me state, honey. You got, if they, if they're not showing you, they can tell you till they're purple in the face. It's all about the show me. Yes. That's you it. Think so? that's, everything. that's everything. I love that. So I, you know, you and I could talk for hours and hours, sadly coming to an end. I want to ask one last question. What is in store for you in that you can share in the next little while that we can get everybody excited about? And I know there's lots. So what? Yeah. So I'm going to say that the most exciting thing that we're working on, and it is out there. We're just starting to kind of share and and talk about this opportunity, which you know about, is that we have this incredible collaborative book that we are opening up for people to come in to co-author. It is an upcoming Wall Street Journal bestseller, um, and it is called The Highly Evolved Woman, She is Limitless. And this book essentially captures this message, not just for women and young girls, but to, or excuse me, women and young women, but also to girls, because it's all about having the audacity to bring, to dream big, because when we do, we become limitless. So this book is an incredible message. We're going to be creating big impact. Um, it's all to support building girls football camps led by the first female NFL coach in history, Dr. Jen Walter, who, by the way, just announced yesterday that she is now a Barbie. Oh, I love that. Yes, I know. I read that. I love that. 
Love that. Can you imagine? My daughter cannot wait to meet her. <laughs> I know. I know. Same. But, you know, it really is now, and we'll we'll chat about uh, her a little bit later, but isn't it really about just doing what you love, you know, my saying, do what you love regardless of gender and obstacles. So it's mm -hmm. not really about gender. It's about doing what you are passionate about. Would you agree Absolutely. with that statement? Absolutely. 100%. Because Jen did play on men's leagues. So this is starting to happen. Women are moving into football. I read that in our next Olympic game is supposed to have a female flag, right? So the uh, female flag football is going to be a new event in the Olympics awesome. happening. Um, so it's really about continuing to shatter those glass ceilings. And I feel like we're never going to stop shattering them because there's always one above that yeah. we're looking to shatter. So it's not about gender. And I love that you said that because I was that girl that grew up with brothers and my whole block was boys. I could outrun them. I could out climb a tree, all of, of the things. <laughs> and I used to think, uh, watch me. Like I'm a girl. You don't think I can do that? Watch me. I can do watch anything me. you can do. And I that's really what that. it's about. It's really it what is, it's about. But don't you think too, you know, sort of in closing, there's a lot of girls and a lot of women and even being told you know, that I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough. You know, when I went down to my guidance counselor, he was, I wanted to go to law school and basically LOL'd me out of his office and said, yeah, you know, go marry rich, have a few kids. You'll be fine. Thank gosh. You know, you're good looking like go away, little girl that could have destroyed me. And I think though, the important thing to know is not all women will rise above that. Not all women will find it within themselves to be resilient. And that's why the whole sort of premise of what you're doing and I am unbreakable is doing is telling all girls and women, yes, you can. Right. I, I like my heart goes out to people that, you know, have those regrets and that weren't able to rise above what the outside noise and other people were telling them that they could and couldn't do. So that's really where my passion comes from is, you know, sort of uplifting and telling anybody and any female that will listen Yes, you can. Absolutely. Because it's by sharing these messages and putting it out there that we're reshaping what that looks like, what those possibilities look like, so that our upcoming generations are going to change the way they think, because there's going to be enough messaging out there that's going to tell them otherwise. And by the way, today, that counselor would have been fired. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> But I don't know. I went to one of the reunions. I was looking for him just to say, by the way, you were not correct. <laughs> and thank you for, you know, I can end this by saying I actually have done a spin the same way you did, where I love no's. I love rejection and failure because I know there's a huge lesson on the other side. In the moment, I might not be so happy as I'm speaking about it now, but I know within myself that there's a lesson or it's the universe's way of redirecting you, right? Thank you so much. Big love, big hugs to you. You are such a female woman, powerhouse rock star of inspiration. And I love everything you're doing. I'm going to include all your socials and how people can get a hold of you and see all the amazing things you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime.